Welcome to Life in Context, a conversational podcast where we explore life and relationships in the context of Christian faith, relationship with Jesus, biblical truth, and emotionally healthy practices. I'm your host, Esther. And I'm your host, Jill. We come from different backgrounds and life experiences and bring our different professional and personal skills and training to our conversations. We agree on many things. And we differ on other things. That's part of what we enjoy about our conversations. We love to encourage and challenge each other and our listeners to consider new approaches, new ideas, and ways to think about life within the context of our faith. It's always our hope in these podcasts to bring real life strategies, positive ideas, and faith-building practices that can be applied to these sometimes challenging topics that we all face in life. So let's get into today's topic. I'm really excited to be back with you, Jill. Yay, me too. This is a great opportunity for us to gather and to talk about life and things of the Lord and relationships and so many great things. But this is kind of a difficult season for a lot of people, huh? For so many people. I feel like both you and I have a unique opportunity to really experience and to see firsthand the distress that a lot of people are going through. We do. And I think you probably don't need to be in our roles and our positions to see that a lot (laughs) of people are in distress. You don't. But we really do get to see that this is a time where a lot of people are feeling a lot of heaviness, a lot of weight. So I am really excited that today's topic is hope. We want to uh, just pour out some hope and encouragement on all of our listeners today as we bandied about a few other topics and really thought, let's land on hope. I think that's the message of the moment. I so agree. And I don't want to make promises that we can't fulfill, right? We don't have a source of hope. That's a secret. (laughs) We don't have like the secret sauce. But we have learned some strategies to walk in hope, even when things are challenging, even when things are difficult. And so I'm excited for us today to be able to share that with our listeners and to share with our listeners, regardless of the circumstances of life and the circumstances of community and politics and health and all of these things, that there is hope and not just the eternal hope, not just an abstract hope or concept or a concept of hope, but hope here now in the land of the living. Yes. And so I'm really excited to just dig into yeah. the topic of hope. I love it. Well, the Bible says that hope deferred makes the heart grow sick. And as we're having this conversation, I feel like many people's hearts have grown sick and weary in what we're in. So let's talk about how do we rally our hope? How do you maintain or obtain the hope that you have, Esther? Well, for me, it needs to be, and this is a little bit of a buzzword, but an intentional practice. (laughs) I change it to purposeful. (laughs) So I really need to have some intent about what I am doing and and where my mind is wandering, what input I'm getting and what output I'm giving. And I really love the verse in Philippians 4, 8, that whatever's true and noble and right and pure and lovely and admirable, whatever's excellent and praiseworthy to think on these these things. things. And in our work, and not on those things, right? (laughs) In our work and in the work in sort of psychology, psychology adjacent counseling and practice, there's a lot of these sort of strategies that come from that field, cognitive behavioral therapy or rational emotive therapy. I think they all really root in this. What you think on impacts how you feel. Well, we have the verse in Proverbs that says, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. 
So you see the connection between your heart and your mind. And what you think on, what you ruminate on will absolutely become what you are. I think it is super easy for us to get in a place where we just dwell and we sink into the troubles and the worries and the what ifs and the fears. And when we do that, it's really easy to lose sight of hope. It kind of becomes this haze. So for me, one of the practical things I do is I will sit down with the Lord and say, show me what is right, what is lovely, what Mm, is pure. And I will go out and look for it. And I will put myself in situations and places where I'm going to see it and see evidence of it and experience it. And I know for that, everybody's a little bit different and what it is that sort of brings that Mm -hmm. joy and that hope to our hearts. For me, I love to see really joyful children playing and some of those just carefree moments. I have some friends who have some just darling young children. <laughs> and, and when I go to their house, they come running to me and they love me and they can't wait to see me. And I know that is partly because they know I love them and partly because they know I have chocolate, you have in chocolate my purse. girlfriend. I do. I know it. <laughs> That's why I love to come here. <laughs> so I, when I come and I will frequently have a balloon with me or chocolate, yes. or other things, and then they will tell me all the things they're learning and they will show me the dances or the karate moves Yay. or whatever they're doing. And, and I love it. The carefree joy and excitement of that young childhood. And so I put myself in situations where I get to see that and observe that in my own life. My own kids are adults. I don't have that naturally in my own household. So I have to go somewhere. Sometimes for some people, it's going to watch a puppy play or there's places in nature that we can go see. I found this little place in our area. It's a butterfly farm. Yeah, I've seen pictures. My my husband thinks it's lame. <laughs> it's like this giant cage and you go with your camera and there's just yeah, butterflies bugs. on the flowers. <laughs> I love it. I love one butterfly, but not 5,000. Right. I love it. I love it. So for me, that's a place where when I spend some time thinking and, and dwelling and experiencing these beautiful things, it reminds me that there is hope, that the sun rises and the sun sets and that the storm passes. And so that's one of the things that I do is I make some intent. I make sure I get out of the ruts, out of the day-to-day dreary, urgent, because the urgent can just suck us dry. I have to. There's ways that I I maintain my, my hope and my peace. I need to run. I run at the beautiful beach of Carlsbad and I run and it kind of sets me, clears my mind. I'm near the ocean. I see the sunset. I see birds flying in formation. I'm not somebody who runs for time or um, for goals. I'm really just running to calm down, get my, I'm a high energy person, (laughs) as Esther knows. I run to calm down and it just, I, I really can hear the Lord in those places when I'm running and I'm in nature. And I know not everyone can do that. And I also as we were considering this topic, I have some weapons that I think I'm going to call them weapons that help me to maintain my hope. And it is word and worship and fellowship and prayer. Like those are weapons for me. Mm-hmm. And you, you think about weapons as being offensive, but for me, these are weapons that are protective. I have fellowship with like my, people that are like me, right. people that understand me and people that I understand. And that when I'm low, they feed me 
Like mm-hmm. they feed me the goodness of God. When I'm low, they don't join me in my low place. They actually right. help bring me out of it and rally me. And worship does it for me. Like it says, put on the garment of praise to lift the spirit of heaviness. So it might be easier for me to worship than some people because I play instruments and I, and I do sing. But that really is a place. It says just uh, put on that garment of praise. So it, the implication is that it's something that you cover yourself in. Put on the garment of praise to lift the spirit of heaviness. And I, I take him at his word. If he says that, I'm going to do it and I'm going to believe that I'm going to wear that praise. And that praise is going to lift that heaviness off me, the spirit of heaviness that it actually relates to depression and hopelessness and the rallying of when I am spending time with the Lord and asking him questions like you said, like, where are you in this moment with me? How are you loving me in this present moment? And Jesus, what does your hope look like for me right here and right now? And and it is setting your mind on the things of God. It mm-hmm. is setting your mind. And when we looked up the scripture, Philippians 4.11 says, I've learned, this is the Apostle Paul speaking. The Apostle Paul said, I've learned contentment in all of my circumstances. And the key word being learned, I've learned to be content in all things. It didn't necessarily come easily. As we know his story, uh, his external circumstances were not good. But he learned that the joy of the Lord was his strength. And he learned to find contentment. And I believe you can find contentment that really a a vein that connects you to contentment and connects you to hope is gratitude. Mm -hmm. What am I grateful for right now? What am I thankful for? And I believe we can always find something to be grateful for, even if you have to dig for it. We had a season when my my mother-in-law was dying of lung cancer and we watched her, you know, failing and um, on her way to meet the Lord and her, her breath was so labored and it taught us to be grateful for the breath. We really watched this labored breath and thought, wow, it's such a simple thing, but we're so fragile. And Ryan and I, my husband began to just say, Lord, we just thank you for the breath. We thank you for breath in our lungs. We thank you for a beating heart. We thank you that there is hope for this day. And I love all the scripture that tells us about, give us this day, our daily bread and and the, the worries of tomorrow will take care of themselves. Be in this day. So Lord, what does my hope look like for this day? Here's what I'm grateful for this day. And that that gratitude feeds your hope. I absolutely believe that. I believe that the practice of gratitude is super important. Now, there are a lot of emotions as an emotional management coach that are triggered. Mm-hmm. So other people can't cause emotions in us. But they can be triggered. Your anger can be triggered. Your fear can be triggered. But some emotions, we really need to practice. And some are learned, like contentment, like you said. It's not something that we just discover and that other people necessarily trigger in us. It's, It's a learned emotion. And I think gratitude is a practiced emotion. Mm -hmm. It's something that we need to return to repeatedly. I think it's so important to be in the word as a part of this. But I will say, I have some intents that I do to keep myself on track because I will work with a lot of people and they'll say, I've been studying the word. I've been in the book of Job for six months. Okay. (laughs) And I'll say, (laughs) how you doing? (laughs) So what I do when I sense that my tank of hope or gratitude or joy 
is sort of diminishing. I have already intentionally listed out passages and verses, and I know where to go in the Word. Yes. And I go there. There's some heavy, difficult things in the Word, and there's a time and a place to study that, and it's important. But when you're noticing that you really need to be thankful and grateful and hopeful. Maybe woe to you, Israel, isn't the best place to land. Not the place to go. (laughs) And so I already have parts of my Bible marked and bookmarked. And I will write passages out on cards and stick it in places to remind me, okay, I'm going to go there. Because in that moment when you're feeling just overwhelmed or discouraged, you don't want to just play this Bible roulette. Like, I'll just go anywhere. I I really want to have some purpose from where I'm going in the Word. And I want to ask the Lord particularly to show me these places where He is giving me hope. These places where He has given me what I need to be grateful for and Mm -hmm. thankful for. Mm -hmm. I've woken up every morning for the last several months, maybe three or four, and just had a psalm in my heart every morning. And that's not, that, that's not common. Like that's just been this, this season of COVID that I've woken up every morning and there's just been a psalm that I've heard him say, go to 23, go to 25, go to 139, and just let them wash over me. There's just so much trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on my faithfulness. And there's so many scriptures in the Psalms that talk about trust in the Lord and he will make your path straight. And so much talking about trust and that essentially it's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And the Lord is my shepherd. You can't go wrong with Psalm 23 because it really encapsulates that he's with you through whatever it, whatever is occurring. He's with you when it's good. He's with you when it's not good. He anoints your head with oil. His rod and staff are comforting you. And that seat at the table, like I I said it on our talk show a lot. I've said it on our podcast a lot. But that seat, you set a table for me in the presence of my enemies. Mm-hmm. In the presence. If, if your enemy today is hopelessness, Jesus, what does my table look like? I know I've said that a lot, but I think it's just a really sweet, easy one to just say, Jesus, my enemy right now is hopelessness. And you're my friend and my savior. And what is your answer today for me in my hopeless place? It's like, I think your table's a good charcuterie tray, right? It's got all the great pieces that you need. I don't even know what that word means. All the cheeses and okay, the fruits. Charcuterie, and the she charcuterie said. tray. <laughs> <laughs> like the meats and the cheeses and all the, the grapes and the fruit and all of the yummy jams and everything. Mm, it's mouth-watering. got all the pieces. Yeah, I'm making you hungry now. When you talk about trust, that is such an important component. Trust is an element of faith. And in Hebrews 11, 1, we see faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Mm -hmm. And hope means that we can look beyond our immediate circumstances and situations. It means that we can have that faith in what is to come. This is not just for the eternal. This is for tomorrow and the next day. And I think that's a really important element of hope and faith that we need to pay attention to. Sometimes as Christians, we begin to discuss hope and faith only in the eternal after this lifetime. Oh, I need it every day, right? I need it every day. And and I mean, I'm sitting in a couple of things that have looked near 
impossible, but I just say, I don't know how you're going to work it out. I just know you're going to work it out. Don't know how you're going to do it, but I'm going to make some professions with my mouth. I'm going to make some confessions that, about the word of God with my mouth. Like I, Romans 8, 28, you will make these things work together for our good. I believe it. You make all things work together for the good of the people who love you that are called according to your purpose. Don't know how you're going to do it. Because, you know, I, I love if, if we had a room full of people right now that I could say, how many of you have actually experienced God working something out in your favor, working something out for your good? You could not possibly have figured out how he was going to do that. Oh, yeah. Come on. Like how many <laughs> times? We're in our 50s. So it's been a lot, a lot, a lot of times that the Lord has done something. You can't imagine how he's going to do it. But my faith just says, I know you're going to work this out for our good. I know it. And in this season of reset, where we have all had a reset. We have never seen the whole globe go like this. Never. We have never seen the whole globe be forced to wear masks or shut down. But in this dramatic reset, we know he is still on the throne. We know he's still up to something good because he's in a good mood and he loves <laughs> us and he's going to work it out for our good. I think you brought up a really great point right there. So our hope should not be connected to our expectations of what it's going to look like. Our hope is connected to knowing that it's going to be good because God is good. Yes. Because he loves us. Because as you say, he is in a good mood. <laughs> yes. Sometimes our hope fades because our expectations are not met. We build this picture of what it's going to look like, what we think it's going to look like. And we put our hope in that. Right. right. We put our hope in it's going to work out in this way, in this pattern. And even when it's good, we're discouraged. Yeah. Because it didn't look quite like we thought it was going to be. And so sometimes hope means letting go of some of the expectations and allowing ourselves to look for what really is there. And sometimes it means holding things lightly. Yes. So hope is one of those things that you cannot squish and squeeze really hard and manipulate and control. Right? <laughs> and a lot of people will tell me, well, I have this hope. And what they have is this really tight grip on their expectations. And that's likely to choke it out. Well, and then you're going to be very disappointed. Mm -hmm. So my friend Lisa says a similar thing. She says, you know, hold it loosely. Mm -hmm. You know, you're going to hold it loosely. My faith is that you're going to work it out for my good. I don't know what that's going to look like ultimately, but I know as I've just been, I, right here I'm looking at Psalm 37, verse 3, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land. Feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. I, that just restores hope to me right there. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to do good. Which is, I think, such a perfect combination. There is a great strategy in there too. So we put our trust in the Lord and we continue to do good. Sometimes when we get discouraged, we get into despair, we begin to lose our hope, we stop interacting and we stop doing things for other people. Mm -hmm. And we want to continue to do good even when you're discouraged, even when you're a little down, there is something good that you can do. There is some love that you can share and that you can show. And when you do that, those combine and it yes. builds together. It's a good strategy, really good practical practice. Well, look what it says. It says feed on his faithfulness. Eat it. <laughs> right? <laughs> feed on his faithfulness. And we've said, probably said this before. I, we're on about pod 15 or so. But 
when I'm when I'm waiting for my next breakthrough, I'm going to reflect on the last ones. Mm-hmm. That's going to feed my faithfulness because he has always been faithful. He's always faithful and he's always good. So while I'm waiting for the next breakthrough, I'm just going to reflect on all the past ones, knowing my miracle's coming. Right. It's coming because he is faithful and always good. So this really t- dovetails into our last topic. We talked about envy and jealousy. And then when we talk about feeding on his faithfulness and really surrounding ourselves with other people's stories, one of the things that happens sometimes is when we're like, I'm going to get together with other people and hear the good things and hear what the Lord is doing in their lives, but then I'm feeling discouraged. We have to be really careful that we do not allow envy and jealousy to get in there and to go, well, he's doing good things in their lives, not in mine. I'm envious or jealous. What we want to do is see what the Lord is doing in other people's lives. And feed on it. And feed on it in an inspiring way. Yes, that's one of the things that I cultivate in the Armor of Light group. Because what you experience, what we experience in these small groups is that your victory is my victory. When we get in this place of connection and relationship and really get invested in each other's lives and each other's victories, we actually each get to share in the victory of one. And that's a very, very powerful thing when we connect it to feeding on his faithfulness. When I Mm -hmm. see him faithful for you, I have hope that he's faithful for me. I know he's faithful for me. Let's let's like be be encouraged, encouraging, and have joy for other people's victory. Yeah. What an important part of our community. It is important for us to be there for our friends and our family and the people that we care about when they're down and discouraged, it's important for us to show empathy and compassion and love. And we need to find other sources too. So sometimes when you're surrounded by a lot of people going through heavy things, it can be hard to then go somewhere else and disconnect and find some sources of hope and faithfulness, but we need to do that. Mm-hmm. I know in my own work, sometimes I'm, I'm working with people who are really navigating really tough grief and heavy things. And so the voices I'll hear for a few days are just really heavy, difficult things. And I'm in it with them. But then I need to also... You need it to be replenished. I need to be replenished. And so I need to say it's not somehow disrespectful to their grief or their hurt for me also to go find places where I can see and experience hope and joy and victory and that it's okay that those things can all live in the universe together. That's really important. I, I'm glad you said that because so many people that are frontlines people right now, nurses and doctors and counselors and therapists are, are pouring so much. Mm-hmm. And I want to say to all of the people in those kind of helps fields, please get poured into. Right. We, in our humanity, it's really very true that we only have so much spiritual, emotional, mental bandwidth and we need to be replenished. You, you, you were vessels that need, we're conduits, but we're also vessels that need to be poured into as we pour out. We, we really have to have stuff going in as we have stuff going out. So please take care of yourselves. Please reach out to someone that can help replenish you. It is really watching for that compassion fatigue. Yes, it's real. Paying attention to that and having people you know, it's interesting. Sometimes people will think, oh, well, I'm seeing a counselor 
And are they not as good because they see a counselor? Oh, they're but, the good ones. Yeah. Those are the good ones. Please yeah. find therapists with therapists. Right. <laughs> people need to have people. Yes. And, and this is a part of the circle and the relationship and the dynamic. And I think sometimes we need to learn our own limits. We mm-hmm. see the hurt. We see the pain and the difficulty. And we want to just keep giving. And even those who are not in this field, as Christians, we feel like we need to continue to give even when we don't have it. Let us be the first to tell you. Right. No. <laughs> because you'll be you'll become brittle and mm-hmm. you'll break. Mm-hmm. So it really, like, be healthy. Do those things. Those are wonderful things to do. Giving and, and pouring out and, and loving and blessing. Yes, we should and we will and we do. But please take care of yourself so that you can keep doing it. Like, that's the real point, right, is... You want to be replenished so that you can go all the way to the end of your race with, you know, a full tank and continuing to do what you love to do to bless the people. And I never want to feel like it's all coming from me anyways, that somehow I have to manufacture it. I have to have it. So I I came to this field a little bit later in life. I was a teacher. I, I worked in missions. I had some other roles in life. And so when I finally came into this particular field, I already had some practices I need time away. Yes. And when I have time away, I have time away. I know that I have clients who find it very surprising that I don't answer my phone at all days or night, at yep. all times of day or night. Me neither. You know, now I've <laughs> people who are in certain That's situations, true. you know, if, if there's a death situation, if there's a, we've got codes, uh-huh, <laughs> you uh-huh. know, there's ways to reach me in an emergency, but I don't need to be always on all the time. It's okay. Can you say that again? I I, think people need to hear that. (laughs) I don't need to be always on all the time. Yes. Amen. It's okay to rest. Rest is a part of hope. Yeah. Go back, listen to our podcast on rest. Yeah. I think they connect. Mm -hmm. I think there's a piece of them. And I think it's hard to have hope if you are- If there's no rest. Yeah. If there's no rest. If you're frantic. Mm -hmm. That was the word I just thought of was frantic and frenetic. It's, It's so cloudy. It's so- hazy. For people who don't live in our area, they might not be familiar with this thing that we have in, in the coastal area. We call it in May, we call it May Gray. May Gray, and June, June Gloom, yeah. July Shmolai. <laughs> it's this, this kind of this hazy thing. And so if you are a beach person, you go down to the beach, you know the ocean's there, huh? but sometimes you can't see it. You can hear it, uh-huh. but you can't see it <laughs> until you get really close because there's this haze. And busyness and discouragement can hide the hope that really is there. So good. So I think we need to rest. And I know you're going to say purposeful. I'm going to say intentional. (laughs) I banned the word intentional from my vocabulary. (laughs) We need to focus on looking for it and make it a priority. And I don't want anybody to feel guilty because it's not there automatically. Yeah. Not there always. As Paul said, I've learned. Mm -hmm. I've learned I know Christians who feel like they need to pretend that they're always happy, that they always have hope, that their mood is always bright and shiny and happy, and that's dangerous. I agree because that um, it's it's fake, right? And that really is what turns people off of Christianity is the the falseness. I want to say, you know, if I'm having that kind of day, I'm going to be authentic about it, but I know where to go. I know where to go and I know how to, I know where my help comes from. So when, when we 
in what, I mean, I believe we all lead something, like whatever your sphere of influence is. If you, you're in a sphere of influence and what you're telegraphing to the people that you lead is you can never have a bad day. You always have to be cheery. You're telling them they can't have a bad day and they always have to be cheery too. Ugh, which is a, just a painful message. It's just, it's just being fake. Even for, that, for me, it feels like I, when I tell myself I have to do that, now there's appropriate. I don't, not everybody gets to see all of my emotions and there's boundaries and places where I release it. But if I suppress them myself, if I tell myself I have to have this, I feel like I'm denying myself a chance to see what the Lord is saying, to go see the true hope, to go find it, to take that time. I pay attention when I'm feeling that distress. Mm -hmm. Okay, what does this mean? What's going on? And of course, like, shouldn't we? I mean, you, you take all this time to help others pay attention. What kind of counselors would we be if we didn't pay attention <laughs> to our feelings and our distress and our stresses and, and practice what we preach and teach? And, and I don't... Love ourselves. Love ourselves. I don't think we need to be ashamed when we notice that that tank is a little bit empty, that our sight is a little bit dim. This isn't about condemning ourselves. Oh, I'm feeling despair or discouraged or depression. It's about saying now is the time I recognize this. I see this and now is the time that I'm going to be, as you would say, purposeful yeah. <laughs> to get off the grid for a little bit focused. Right. And I'm going to spend some time even more, as I would say, intentionally thinking about whatever is pure, whatever is right, whatever is lovely, whatever is praiseworthy. Mm. And I'm going to set that time aside. Sometimes I put it in my calendar, right? Uh-huh. I, I'm going to make that an appointment to do that. And to do those practices, because that's good for us. Yes. Amen. (laughs) Well, it's been wonderful. It's been hope-filled, my friends. Yes, it has. (laughs) I feel rallied. So we wish everybody a very blessed week. And we'll talk soon. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Life in Context, hosted by Jill Shankles and Esther DeWitt, edited and produced by BizFid Communications. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a five-star review and follow us and like us wherever you listen to podcasts. It really does help. For more information on who we are and what we do, you can follow Jill at jillshankles.com. That's Jill, S-H-A-N-K-L-E-S.com and on Facebook and Instagram. You can follow Esther at peaceprof.com. That's peace, P-R-O-F.com and at peaceprof on Twitter and Facebook. Hey.